0: Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Truck and Driver podcast. My name's Dougie Rankin and today I'm joined by veteran driver Mike Sharpley and his wife Dee. Mike is just retiring from the road at 80 years old and we've visited him to do a feature on his Foden Alpha 4000 which you'll be seeing in the November issue of the magazine. On the podcast, Mike tells us all about his driving career and, of course, that amazing 22 years he spent behind the wheel of the Foden. Hope you enjoy it. Mike Sharpley, celebrated your 80th birthday this week. I did. And you're treating yourself to a well-earned retirement, I think.
1: I'm going to try, yes. I'm going to... Wait and see what it brings.
0: So obviously we've here we've photographed your Foden four thousand today. That's a truck that you bought brand new back in nineteen ninety eight, but we'll get to that in a bit. But going back a bit further, how did you get into transport? Have you been in the trucking game all your days?
1: Well, not really. I was born on a farm. We had trucks in and out of course, being the farm and I took a liking to the trucks that were coming in later on when I got didn't, didn't get my license, but I was old enough to drive things around. I used to climb in the trucks, go around the fields in them. It just took off from there.
0: What kind of trucks were then? And did you kind of gravitate more towards the trucks and the tractors? Was there all yeah, sorts of stuff? Yeah, Yes, lying about?
1: I did. it was. I liked the tractors, but uh, trucks were favourite. And we had uh, a 1934 <laughs> Thorny Croft carting the beat around.
0: That would have been quite a thing to pick up and drive as a young man. Quite a heavy thing. What did you do when you left school? I
1: left school.
0: Did you do national service?
1: Uh, Well, it wasn't national service. I missed it because I was on a farm, but I went into the regular army for six years as a driver come mechanic and later on come tank mechanic.
0: Tank mechanic? (laughs) Yes,
1: and I've got my... Licence for a Centurion tank.
0: There's, a, there's an actual licence for that?
1: Oh, yes. Well, if you're a tank mechanic, you had to be able to drive them on the road.
0: Did it take you anywhere in particular? Did you go on any adventures in the army? Africa.
1: Well, yeah, East Africa. Cyprus three times. Yes, that, uh, you know after I left the army, I did, went straight into haulage then, working for local companies, getting a bit of experience.
0: What kind of driving were you doing back then and what kind of trucks were you using?
1: First truck I had was a Bedford TK which is still some of those about now. Started on an awful
0: lot of people yeah. on the way, the TK, or the Ford D-Series. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, yes. the TKs did so much.
1: Then I had a, a Dodge I think they called them 500s
0: what you doing, were you going all over the country? Are you kinda of doing local stuff back then?
1: No, we the did Glasgow Market, which is quite a way. What
0: were you doing when just sleeping over the seats?
1: Yeah. The well, stuff.
0: Transport about. cafe, dig, digs back in the day and things like that.
1: Yeah, it's all digs. You know, unless you wanted to sleep on the mm-hmm. seats, but uh,
0: what were the drivers digs like back in the day were there any good ones
1: there were but they were usually full
0: and of course this is all like rooms like dormitory rooms for the truck drivers to sleep in at night and this is like yes. before the days of the sleeper cabs
1: yes there was sometimes you'd get a room for two but normally you got a room for about eight or ten
0: did you not make a
2: board like I did oh yeah I had a board across the seats mm-hmm. they just set it s- s- straight across and then you Made your own curtains and you just you were mm. self sufficient on your board. So, when, as time moved on, you
0: went on from your bed for TK, was that in like the 1960s? Would that have been?
1: Yes, uh, 65, 66, I think. So, sort of moved on a bit, got to move to Peterborough, got onto the Arctics then, and uh, old Scammels and Foden, that's where my first Foden was. I got to like them then and it stayed with me.
0: What kind of Foden was it?
1: It was a Foden S36 and there was a Foden S21, the Mickey Mouse. So I did the bricks for about three, four years and moved on to the Fridges, Reefers, Christian Salverson. But uh, I had a F86, which was the very small but it was quite a good motor actually
0: yeah I mean they, they were a bit kind of revolutionary when they came oh, out well, even yeah. even though it was just a little lorry it had like um, sound deadening in it and a radio and heaters yeah, and all these kind of yeah. luxuries
1: yeah you, you thought well it's it's not going to pull but it did
0: so did you end up going out at what point did you end up going out to the Middle East did you Uh
1: well I had four years at Christian Salverson's and then I decided that uh, I wanted to Get my own motor, which I'd always wanted to do. And uh, so I bought a second hand F eighty eight Volvo. When was this? Nineteen seventy
0: five. It must have been good that wouldn't have been an old truck at the time, right? F eighty eight.
1: Two years old, mm-hmm. I think it was an L Reg That would have been a good motor. It was. Mm-hmm. It cost me seven grand. And then when I'd finished with it I sold it for seven grand.
0: How long did you have it for?
1: About five years, I think.
0: What sort of stuff were you doing with that? Was that for, like, going Well, we did trips to the Middle
1: East, overland, Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, Qatar.
2: How did you start to go abroad, though? What made you go to...? Yeah, what 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 drew you to do that? An
1: anonymous phone call.
2: An anonymous phone
0: call?
1: We got an anonymous phone call one night saying that uh, Wilkes of Leicester are on the lookout for... Owner drivers to take their trailers across to the Middle East. I thought well, I didn't know anything about this so I rang the bloke up within two weeks I was down at London collecting my visas from all the countries on the way to the Middle East.
0: What was the interview like? What was he wanting to know? Or what did you do? Do you have a lot of questions for him at the time? Well I did, I think I had more questions than him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he said what experience have you had and what, it, what motor have you got and he said well that's I got the F88 and he said well that's a good motor to have for a start
0: Did you have to go and buy a whole load of kit and then equipment for the truck Well you want really
1: you took as many spares as you could get hold of or you could afford or was room for in the cab because you know having spoken to people on that job, the more you'd got, the better. Because mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of the desert, there was no AA or anything, so you did do your own repairs.
0: Mm-hmm. How, what was it? What was it feeling like in a couple of weeks running up to that? Were you quite nervous and excited? Yes. Yeah,
1: I was, I suppose, what you say, nervous and excited. Yeah, to get to the Middle East, we always went from Harwich mm. to. West Germany Bremerhaven or Hamburg
0: I guess does it, does it start off kind of like the easy bit when you're in western Europe and then does it start to gradually change whereas you get yeah, in, it, you'll get get in your sort of communist countries and then you'll be moving yes, further
1: over again yes it got when you le- went left West Germany into East Germany which was the communist half they gave you so long to get through the country and if you didn't show up in a set time, at the other end, they came looking for you.
0: And I said, "Did you get through East Germany? Okay."
1: Yes, yeah. it was very rough roads. I think Czechoslovakia was the next country we went through.
0: Did you find like you ever like encounter like corrupt police or thieves and anything like that? Oh, that okay. really? <laughs> <laughs> it
1: was, uh, in and then and Czechoslovakia, you started having a little bit of you've got to watch for yourself or they'll do anything you know to get your money and the further you went I think it was what, Yugoslavia that was a, a bit of an experience with uh, people trying to fleece you for all the money they could and we went along through Belgrade in Yugoslavia with capital and you were left that road went down I can't remember the road number but it was out of Yugoslavia and it was known generally as the most dangerous road in the world for accidents everything all along the roadsides were little sort of posts with pictures of people on them
0: Was Was that a dangerous bit of road? Was it yeah. like twisty and bends and all that? Really?
1: It was just no, mad drivers. They were absolutely mad. And in that country, when somebody died, they put a post up with
0: mm-hmm.
1: a big picture of yeah. who it was that was killed. You just lost count of them.
0: Was there a lot of like um, sort of British Western European traffic on the road as well as you? So you'd be oh, seeing yeah. other guys.
1: And a lot of trucks doing it. Every country, there? including Russians. And then you got to Bulgaria. A little chap out in the sticks in Bulgaria stepped out into the road. A little chap with a flat cap, and he got a little lollipop in his hand. Put it out, and stopped me. Mm. Couldn't speak much English. I couldn't speak any Bulgarian. And he said five. Held his hand up five. Uh-huh. I said okay
0: five. Five what?
1: Yeah and I couldn't understand what he said and Mm. I brought out five Mm. coins Mm. which I knew that's not what he meant it was like bringing out five pence when he wanted five pounds Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and so this went on for a while and in the end he saw a Bulgarian car coming towards us and he jumped out and stopped it Mm. and he fined them Five.
0: <laughs> he jumped whatever. in just as I find them instead. So
1: they could show me what <laughs> it was that they wanted. In the end, he just jumped up in the air and said,
0: Go, go, go. I mean, I, I guess at the time, you, you, the Volvo F88 was one of the definitive trucks for doing the Middle East run. Oh, yeah. But you yeah. must have seen all sorts of weird and wonderful buckets. <laughs> Uh, things out there that shouldn't have been, really.
1: And the tyres, they <laughs> made two tyres into one if they had a blowout.
0: They made two tyres into
1: one? Yeah, if you've got a tyre with a bad tread mm-hmm. it's gone and another one with a good tread but a bad wall, mm-hmm. they did this sort of thing round outside so they'd cut the wall off and then the other one with a tread, they'd do that the same and they'd sling them round to fit, drill a hole through, and put coach bolts through them all. <laughs> <laughs> but, but remembering then, we're obviously not talking about tubeless tyres because no, they've no, they, gone they, they, straight flat. Yeah, they've got enough tubes on them. They're, enough tubes, and mm-hmm. they just turned them round, bolted them together, and we got another couple of thousand miles out of it.
0: Mm, must have been nice going down the road with that bouncing and rattling and well, they, they I suppose that if the alternative is to sit there and cook in the sun and not do anything what else can you do it's quite, it's quite innovative in a way
1: that was <laughs> commonplace on the you know the Bulgarians the Turks mm. all those sort of mm. local people
0: at what point did you cross over you would have got into you're certainly the middle eastern countries that would have been when you crossed Turkey uh, yeah I guess that's the,
1: the Bosphorus river mm-hmm. in, in the middle of Istanbul you went from Europe to Asia.
0: That must have been quite an experience, seeing all that for the first time.
1: Oh yeah, seeing, you know, you see these old trucks and sort of... They look like they're hand-built ones, some of them. So donkey's years
0: old. So you, did you get stuck in like big queues at the borders or long oh, times right. to wait sometimes? And just...
1: Oh yeah, getting into Turkey could take you two, three days sometimes.
0: How did you get on with your paperwork in Netherlands? Because you hear these stories about like if you've got one piece of paperwork that's not quite right you can yeah. be stuck places for.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So you can buy your way out of certain things depending on who is there. But uh, you can, if there's something that wasn't stamped right at the mm. border at the other end of the country, you have to drive back oh. through the country to that first border and get it done and then come back. And if that's Turkey, which it usually (laughs) happened in, that's a long way. Yeah. I got through Turkey and then we went into... Syria was the next one, wasn't it? Mm. Well, Syria... When I left with this other chap that I was running with, they said to me, your paperwork isn't quite ready yet, but to save you waiting and having to go on your own, we will... Fly your paperwork out to Damascus Airport in Syria which you start to think, oh is yes. that,
0: yeah, is there any potential for something to go wrong there?
1: Well yeah, I thought so, but we we actually we got to Syria, got to the Damascus Airport and he was an old hand this chap I was with and he stayed with me. And we went to the airport as you might expect, no papers, nobody knew anything about it we sat there a day or two. I said to this chap I was running with, I said, well, you can't sit here, you've got your paperwork, you can go, so just go, I'll sit here until
0: it comes. Mm -hmm.
1: Which I did. And uh,
0: I sat there for another week. Oh, a week sitting outside an airport. Aye. So that's not promising. If, if you're flying it, you would be kind of hoping it would get there a bit quicker. You know, we could have <laughs> walked out. You think it
1: would beat you. me? Yeah,
0: you think it would?
1: <laughs> so I kept bringing up the UK, and they said, "Oh, it's it's not left yet, but it's, it's on its way." And this went on for two weeks. Wow. I sat there, and it got to the stage where I came back one day from the airport. I got in the truck. And I pulled the curtains round, and I just cried my eyes out for half an hour. You know, just, just got
0: sheer frustration me. of yeah. I mean, because that's over I mean,
1: I thought, well, am I ever going to see home again? And, yeah, yeah,
0: you're being you're being held prisoner by somebody in an office somewhere for, a, for mm. a piece of paperwork. Yeah. Please tell me that the paperwork did finally arrive.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, after this, you know, I felt a lot better. You know, I was back to with sort of cheery self then, you know, I thought, it well, it's going to come. And within a couple of days, it it did come. So then I had to go and redo my visa to get out of the country because I was way past that. Everything was okay then, you know, I went on my way, went to Jordan, next one, and then into Saudi Arabia. <laughs>
0: what was that like at the time I remember it seemed to be uh, you had all the oil sheiks and things yeah. there was an incredible amount of money floating about the year stories of a Rolls Royce and it would run out of fuel so they'd just leave it in the desert and yeah. go back to it oh yeah yes and uh,
1: it was just after the transition from camels to Toyotas
0: right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so everybody could drive a camel but nobody could drive a Toyota and so there were numerous accidents
0: Ah, so you got to experience pretty much a, hu- a huge range of countries the absolute depths of frustration during that oh, yeah. but I suppose it must be when, you, when you're when you loaded and you're turned and you know you're coming back you must felt quite elating like really happy to know that you're actually going to go heading back in the right direction again
1: mm, We haven't got back to the coming back bit yet <laughs> <laughs> It went through Saudi and we had to go to Jeddah which is sort of other end of Saudi, so it was a long trip through the desert. And our company had an office in a hotel at Jeddah, where you reported to. And eventually, I got there, went in. He looked at my papers and he said, "Oh, he says that's for Mecca, which is where no non-Christians, no mm. Christians, non-Muslims can go." Yeah he says so we have to get a driver now to take
0: your truck mm. to tip it you have to get a Saudi Arabian person yes, yes. a camel pilot to go and yeah. take your beloved f eight to go and tip yeah. it
1: The Saudi bloke he said I'll send this man to you he's experienced but he says go out for a run with him see what you think and if you're happy he'll go and tip it and bring it back to you
0: how far away is this like, how long are you going to be without your truck
1: Oh, it'll be a couple of days, I mm-hmm. suppose, at least. Because it wasn't just round the corner. actually
0: yeah, so you are bring your no-waving goodbye to the truck.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've got the day or two in the hotel, which you couldn't really enjoy because you were on edge all the time.
0: Did it come back in one piece? No. <laughs>
1: I got the message through from the well, office. Well, they didn't
2: tell you, did they? That he hadn't had any sleep for two no.
1: days. No. <laughs>
2: Well, the, the uh, chap taking the lorry out?
1: Yeah, he fell to sleep.
0: Oh, he fell asleep driving. Oh, well, that's...
1: And he went straight through this dike with it, bounced up the other side, did a bit of damage to the front suspension. Something sump was pushed in a bit. It was still mobile, though. But, and, well, just I, under. I couldn't see that. And, no. I mean, it wasn't, they kept me informed. They said, well, we've had a look around it. It's, mm. If he drives it steady, we will okay. I said, well you got anybody else that had a bit of sleep that can drive it but no and eventually it came back there was something odds and sods in the suspension were bent and yeah
0: your fuel alignment would have been
1: all out and a, uh, yeah, yeah and the you know I thought the dent in the front of that sump it looks as if it's just about to be hit by the big ends probably
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I thought oh, I don't fancy the trip back taking it like that so in the end I decided I was going to ship it back to be safe and get it done in England so then, I mean
0: after that experience I mean a lot of people would have been like no not for me but you went back for it again well I felt if I gave up then yeah
1: I'd have lost a lot of money I we sort I've of got to it's like a if you come off a horse you reckon to get back on it so I'm told
0: yeah so that's it you've got a baptism of fire with it you know, yeah, is, you know so what to expect the next time
1: it was I think I had a ten days off or so and he said we've got a trailer for you for Iran or Tehran, as they call it which was then under the Shah of Persia it wasn't the like a in those days.
0: Yeah, this is like the old Iran that seemed like much more yeah. like in, in line with Western culture. And you see the it old. Oh, I mean, it looked so. You see old pictures of Iran and things like It yeah. looked so lovely and westernised nice. and everything. and they had that big. There was the Iran Iraq War and there was the uprising and everything. And then yeah. it all kind of changed, didn't it? I mean, what was it like back then before all well, that happened? they well, nice?
1: drove into Iran, into the. or Tehran.
0: Mm-hmm
1: young girls are walking around in miniskirts you know know middle eastern country you would see with girls in mini streets they got miniskirts they got the burqas on and things but not there it's just like walking down the street in newark and in all my life the best t-bone steak i've ever had was in iran (laughs)
0: Was that from like kind of roadside cafes and no, then things, restaurants and Proper restaurant, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Did you find quite often you would get parked up for like weekends and things so you could go and explore places and the Oh, yeah, yes,
1: you'd get parked up sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. I and mean, then there's, uh, no, there's the next trip, I was parked up for three weeks waiting to tip.
0: That was Iran. I suppose at that point, was that not a bad place to be parked for three weeks then? All things then, it,
1: know. It but uh, I can't afford to keep sitting mm-hmm.
0: there. Yeah, what happens when you get parked up for three weeks? Do you keep getting paid for this and another that, or, not, or are you just paid for the amount for the trip? i yeah. yeah. paid for the the trip. Mm-hmm. So time is money. If you, if you can yeah. get the quicker turnaround, you get then it's a big oh, bonus, yeah. you know. I well, it was.
1: Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was quite good money on the trip. But you needed to keep going roughly, not sitting around. Yeah, you can't sit weeks. there forever, can you? And uh, well, you only took
2: so much with you, didn't
1: you? Yeah, you didn't. When you were going to those, you only took as much money, cash, hmm. to get you there. Because then, if you took the whole lot enough mm-hmm. to get back, you'd probably get it stolen. So, you mm-hmm. get to Iran or Saudi, and then when you're soon going to release there, you go to the local bank. and those days, it was all telex, so it was telex back. Mm-hmm and request for more money to get back and then within a day or so you would have a, the cash there for you to leave with How many trips did you do over the years? I only did four from here to there and back because the, f- the last two years was internally in Saudi Arabia
0: you, you just worked within Saudi Arabia? Yeah Did you have the F88 when you were doing that? Yeah, I had it all the time mm-hmm. Well, you didn't have a lot of choice. You had to stay there. You had to stay in Saudi Arabia. Well, the next time
1: I came back mm-hmm. to Saudi, I was going to Qatar that day, and uh, got had to go to the office in this hotel in Saudi that you always had to report to. And got there, and there was uh, two of their drivers there, and they said, we've got some bad news for you. They said, Wilkes has gone under.
0: That was a company you were subcontracting for. Yeah. You
1: know, yeah. What it meant was I was stuck there. I could go and deliver my load and get the receipt for it, but I couldn't just go and get on and go back home. I got no okay. means, but no means of finding anywhere to get a load from. And, uh,
0: and that was, you were just working away in Saudi Arabia for how long was it? Two years. Two years. In the end, there was
1: a lot of us Brits together, about six or seven of us the drivers, and we actually got together and rented a villa. And One guy was going out getting work, another guy was going out getting the money, another bloke was looking after the villa and doing gophering of any sort. And then we, three or four others, were doing the works. And it, it was quite a profitable little op- operation.
2: You formed a company, didn't you? Yeah,
1: SAM, <laughs> Some Saudi Arabian Movements.
0: What, what made you stay out there for so long? Was it just a good work? Because there was, I mean, there was a lot of British um, yeah. activity going on in Saudi Arabia at the time with the oil and everything. Oh, there was,
1: yes. And it was, I mean, the money you got for what you did out there under diesel was three pence a gallon cheaper than water was it not it was <laughs> we paid more for drinking water than we did for diesel it smoked a bit on their diesel but it didn't matter out there
0: no I smoked on
1: those never saw it
0: f is liked a bit of smoke anyway so. yeah, yeah. smoked even more
1: yes well it, it did well and we kept on that's
0: that, that good for for something so positive to come out of what was initially a disastrous situation with publics oh, yeah. going out of, well, out you of business, to, you know. You
1: just went from one situation to another, mm. some good, some bad, and we, we got, got into scrapes and things, you know, as everybody does.
0: Yeah, I suppose with where they're really like uh, Saudi Arabia is really like anti alcohol, isn't it? Where oh, you, yes. you're allowed to drink or anything like no. that, weren't no,
1: it? No, but when you. Agent of the company we work for. Sometimes we went to his house, and when you were there, the first thing you got was a whiskey. The Saudis themselves had got more alcohol in Saudi than (laughs) I think we've got in Britain.
0: (laughs) When was it time to come home from Saudi Arabia?
1: Uh, I've been there. doing internals just over two years, I think, and I really thought to myself, well, to work there solidly, doing the miles, and to have been there for over two years without having an accident or a serious breakdown, I thought it was time to just call it a day, and the heat was oh, overpowering. We've got no air conditioning.
0: No, a you failure ahead, basically.
1: Yeah, that's what it was. So this chap that was collecting the money for our company he's he he was into transport a lot as well and he said if you're going to go he said I'll I'll buy your motor off you if you if you want I said well yeah yeah, save me taking it back or other things etc., whatever was available and he said how much do you want for it and I said seven grand (laughs) which is what I paid for it in Bishop Auckland he said oh no, he said I can't pay you that much. I said why? You're gonna, you know what you're going to earn? Mm-hmm. Seven grand. You've got a motor that you've been seeing for two years. You know it's good, reliable. I said it. I'm not letting it go for less than seven grand. And we sat on the bed. I think until late at night. Oh, all right. He says. So the next morning, seven thousand pounds in. What? and what money it was, but it was all right. That was money. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just that, though, was it, that decided you to go. The British had suddenly decided there was easy money oh, to go. Oh, yes, pay. that was
1: another thing. The, it had got yes. back into Britain that, you know, there was good money to have if you got a truck. Mm. And, and people were mortgaging the house, buying a unit... Shipping
0: it over to Saudi. Aye, ah, I see. Yeah, this had become like a thing now, where people, everybody was trying to get in on the action in Saudi yeah. Arabia. So yeah, it wasn't as lucrative as perhaps it once was. Well, the more people
1: a... that got there, the further down the rates were falling. People had never been out of England; were going there with a a unit.
0: Ah, they used to used to be kind of rain in Humberside and you know Glasgow and things and get it to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't know anything about well outside England a lot
1: of them Mm -hmm. and so they were going there and trying the same thing and there were so many sort of turning up that there wasn't enough really to go around for them
0: now definitely sounds like you got out at just the right time there
1: yeah I did well that's one of the reasons as, as Dee said I forgot that was the reason
2: well also you had to go and collect them the, the lorries were abandoned in the desert because the drivers just they had, had, had breakdowns, breakdowns. couldn't yeah, cope with it yeah, mental, mental breakdowns and things We yeah. just
1: couldn't drive anymore and mm-hmm. we had to go and collect trucks and drivers and take them back and
2: and the trucks were breaking down and they couldn't repair them
1: no, they hadn't taken spares across. No, uh,
0: yeah, I've seen some amazing pictures from the Middle East where people have literally got engine truck engines out at the side of the road. Yeah. Yes. You know, with pistons out them and other unbelievable things. You did things. that,
1: didn't you? Oh, yeah, we had a blo- bloke on Wilkes that I was travelling with. He took a piston out.
0: Well, your time as a tank mechanic in the army would have served you yeah. well for all this sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, the thing is, we put a wooden piston back in and he got back home.
0: A wooden piston? Yeah. How does one make a wooden
1: piston? Well, if you're British you don't, but if you're (laughs) Arab with all their sort of make-do and mens, they'll make it and they made one and put it in, or we put it in, and it worked. And it actually got him home. Turkey was another place where they were marvellous mechanics, there was a chap with a scania and he was coming into Turkey, and his clutch went, absolutely shot it. And so we stayed in this Mo Camp Motel, the world all, all the Europeans go. And one of the Arab blokes followed me and took him down in a car to this little back street garage. And said, "What's the problem, you know?" Scan your clutch. Oh, yeah, no problem. Go fetch. <laughs> so, somebody towed this unit down into this little garage. It was just a really little back street, you wouldn't think.
0: Yeah, like a little car garage where somebody yes, does fixes from Morris Minors. There's just another room <laughs> to get this
1: truck in there. And when it got in, the first thing you saw was these two young lads of about 12 or 14 years old started stripping it down. They just got right in our
0: it. Probably the parts for it, but they were able to source the parts for that.
1: No, well, the, cl- the clutch was absolutely shot, apparently. And out of their, all their scrap heaps there, they made a clutch plate, And they put it in. And it worked. And it was a bloke we knew the truck it was and we saw them on the next trip and they said have you you know how's the clutch gone is it renewed now he, says, no. he said it's still the one they made <laughs> it have been home it worked so well so we went out again with it <laughs> they were marvellous mm-hmm. fit as snake doing man they could do yeah. anything
2: Well, there's so many stories that, you know, that you could be here for hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so when did, when did you come back? Was it the 1980s when you came back to the UK? It was 78. 78?
0: 78. 78, 79. So back through the sort of winter, not a particularly great time for the British economy, you had the winter of discontent and things yeah, like that, that sometime, and everything. Yeah. Must have been a bit of a cultural shock. Did you enjoy coming back to our climate or was it...? Oh, yeah, I didn't like the heat. Yeah, I didn't
1: like it. Somebody <laughs> yeah. asked me... One day, how hot it was. I said, I don't really know. <laughs> I said, it's bloody hot. And he said, Well, take a thermometer with you next time you're back, you'll know. So I took one of these little thermometers and put it in the windsill. I went out to the truck at half past ten in the morning the following day. Although I, well, I still don't know how hot it was because the thermometer had blown up.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> So you were back in time for the coal strikes, weren't you? Yes. yeah, the, and the and miners' it. strikes, cause yeah, I remember yeah. that. It well, was just a
0: huge, long amount of industrial unrest. Yeah. Where did, where, when and where did you two meet?
2: I was on Tipazon, and we were all going, we were going in the coal yards, being terrified. We used to take a dog. <laughs> I thought that might frighten them. <laughs>
0: these were the picket lines?
2: Yes, they were terrifying, because you couldn't not go. You just had to go through, because you, you didn't get paid. Mm, well, we were both
1: on the coal job, we? weren't we? Is that who you met on the call? Well, no, it,
2: uh, I suppose we were on CBs together, you know, we were all on the CBs.
1: We worked for the same people, saw the same
0: yes. places. So were you back as an
2: owner-driver
0: at this point? Yeah. You got, but, you got yourself another truck in the UK? Yes, I, uh,
1: Obviously, flew back and, uh, went to the Volvo agents up at what it, Billows, as it was, and... The F ten Volvo had came out a year or so previously. I decided that was the truck to get means I'd just got rid of a Volvo and knew them fairly well and everybody was saying this was a good truck that had just come out, so
0: Yeah, well I mean at the time the F10, I mean, compared to some of the British stuff and the older things that were on the road at the time, the F ten was yeah. state of the art. Oh it was. It was, it was
1: lo- really good. So I bought that and we did all the coal strike work and then went into soft drinks with gold medal soft drinks carters yeah. hello sunshine it said all over the side oh, of
2: course it did, yes, it hello, did sunshine. It? hello sunshine
0: hello yeah. sunshine yes it did orange and yellow Could you did you
2: work together driving I worked I for him right along with <laughs> when I was working for my other company as well oh, doing, about, doing about both <laughs> back in the day yeah
0: know. yeah a bit of part time work for yeah, both companies, yeah. You were <laughs> never out
1: of work, were you? Oh, God, no.
0: So you're out in the F10 delivering soft drinks? That was
1: after the F10. Well, no, it? it
0: was 142 when we double shifted. Ah, yeah. yeah. Ah, that's right. Your next truck was a Scania 142. You yeah. buy that brand new? Yeah. That, that was, you were doing King of the Road
2: in that That, that was new. Oh, that was smart. Oh, yeah. And that next truck. Oh, wow, that was smart. It was. Was it Saudi Arabian? Yeah, Saudi Airlines. Yeah, well,
1: just what, what are we going to do with it? And I'd just come back from Saudi not long before. And I always liked the Saudi Arabian Airlines planes, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. two tone green and two tone blue on white, the length. And so I adopted them as our colours. what
0: was going on with it? Were you driving the truck in days and then D, you were on it in nights, sort of thing? Yeah, yeah we but did, you were also yeah. the night shunter,
2: weren't you? Yeah, when I was yes, uh, during Christmas time mm-hmm. when it was really busy and summer. Summertime, when it was really busy, I would go in and load all the, the, the other boys' his lorries. They'd leave their whole uh, outfits there, tractors and trailers, and then they'd give me all the keys. And then I would go and get all their lorries loaded for them so that when they came in in the morning, they'd all got a trailer to go out How now, did you get an a lorry driving, Dee? Um, I think because my first husband was a lorry driver and his boss said, why didn't I get a licence? And then I could take go And fetch my first husband home, you know, with a car, and then I could bring the lorry back. Well, if he ran out of time? Sort of and I mean. then, yes, <laughs> and then look at the log books in those days, and then he would be able to set off early in the morning. So I think that's how it started. So he said I'd pay into this school or something. So I went to work, went to do that job, and then this man that lives just down the road here on the right hand side had low loaders and did tippers, low loaders, and flats and did airfield maintenance and he rang me up one day and asked me if i could take a a crane to Driffield. Well a crane on a trailer yes yeah so i said well yes <laughs> yeah okay that's how it's yeah. that's how it started really with all sorts of disasters because i had no idea Nothing yeah just winging it, it. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, it's a strategy that still remains uh, true to this day. I think in a lot of road transport, yeah, <laughs> but a lot of, yeah. even more so back then.
2: Well, it didn't occur to me that a bridge was something you couldn't get under.
1: <laughs> I just didn't. You thought that if it was built, it would be built so that everything would get Yes, under it. <laughs> it didn't
2: occur to me you couldn't. And I took a, a jacked-up drainage machine on a low loader to a drainage company, and I found a low bridge well I, I mean it looked low to me it looked huge but anyway I got in the middle and went through it hmm. it's a railway bridge yeah and um, well it's stuck in the middle but anyway I put it in crawler and I dragged it out the other end so oh was that's quite, not so bad I was quite pleased yeah it had just gone a bit slightly in its chains just slightly yes. so, but the field <laughs> the men came out of the field Go. Out the field they were walking there at the oh, time yes, they, oh yes mouths had dropped open and I thought must be unused used to seeing some long blonde haired woman driving a truck but actually, it was, oh my God, what have you done to our machine? It's written off. Oh dear. I wrote the whole machine off and I took it to their bosses who told me to drop it and get out of your, my yard. <laughs> and then found out that actually my, my, my boss here mm-hmm. wasn't insured to do the job. Oh dear. It was another company, a, a plant hire company, had rung him up and asked him to do the job. But actually, they weren't insured to work for anybody else oops <laughs> <laughs> so, but you don't know nobody tells you things no, nobody tells you and it's still the same to this day so there's the keys go take the truck go and take it away oh, it, it, yeah. it did terrible yeah. things to me I, I went to a, sh- to a shipping yard to load a load of pyrites and the ship dropped the stuff in the back of my trailer along there was hundreds of people waiting you know in the queue of tippers and I just thought you just dropped them in so they did till the tyres were flat and all the drivers were laughing. He's standing out laughing, and I yeah, thought. "How much weight was on it?" But Oh, I should think it was. I hundreds of tons on it. I mean, <laughs> and they were all thought it was hilarious. So luckily, the the man on the ship got his machine back in again and lifted stuff out, so that I could actually drive it. But nobody tells you, no, anything. nobody tells you anything like no. that. You,
0: you would think it still goes. It still goes on to this day when you go into places don't dare get out of the cabin unless you're wearing your high-vis suit and your glasses and everything like that, don't do oh. go, but don't let it go. So basically you did, you did your 142 for quite a few years.
2: Yes. Oh yes, that's
0: lovely. hmm they're very fond of it, so the logical thing would have been at the time would have been to step up and get the next Scania, I suppose.
2: Uh.
1: Yeah, well... Did we get the white one next? Yeah, the, the, this company Paddlers that we work for, they had a strong band of owner drivers and subbies there, and they had rules, and one of the rules was you had to have a new truck every three years. And so the 142 was, as far as they were concerned, was past it, mm-hmm. and it was painted up with fancy stripes on, which they didn't like. So I thought, well, the best thing I can do now, then, for now, is go and get a, an interim one, sort of, the, which was the 380s Scania. That was is, a 113. It a 113. Yeah, horrible.
0: You
1: don't
0: like that? No,
1: it wasn't. It was a no, good
0: ha- one. No, he liked it. I hated it. it was, what did you not like about it? Just about fleet specs, it's sort of. Not It was yeah. just
2: so boring. Yeah. Boring to drive. <laughs> I like driving hours.
1: Well, anyway, we had that for three years, and then... Uh, it's time to go, so this time I was thinking about, you know, retirement isn't that many years away, so I thought I'll get the truck that's going to last me
2: now until I want to retire. We sort Um, of decided that I wouldn't drive for us anymore. We wouldn't do double manning, I wouldn't get a a unit myself. I would go and work for somebody so that I could have holidays mm -hmm. um, and not have to worry about somebody driving the lorry mm. and the mess that they leave it in and things and Michael can have one that he that he wants choose his own truck that he really wants and his own spec and everything mm. which the Foden you could do yeah. you know, so
0: this, was, this was 1997 1998
1: well the actual truck came in January 98
0: what was your what was your choice at the time because you was the Forden the thing you looked at first or what what were your options from like did you look at
1: Scania and Volvo and things I thought of all the trucks that were about at the time and the obvious one to start with was the Scania because the last two were Scanias I knew them and uh, I knew the people that looked after them so I rang Scanias, went in to see them and asked about you know the next model up and just a, i spoke to a couple of the fitters that were there and they said you don't want that yeah
0: so this is the four series which hasn't been out for that long no, at no, that no. point but i mean it's you know a really yeah. modern oh yeah. yeah i mean were, these were
1: two series that uh yeah two series the one four two. One four
0: two. Yeah. Then the, yeah. The one four three would have been the one in between. The yeah. four series was the one with the big top line cab and the folding yeah. steps, and the one that looks quite like the one.
1: Yeah.
0: That's available. Well, the, the streamline that, that they were out with. Yeah. So they, the the Scania fitters said, "You don't really want one." <laughs> well, it wasn't the bloke that mm. selling him. It was the
1: the the fitters that I yeah, knew Yeah. I, some I just sort of walked yeah. through there. And, uh, the one four three and just about run its time and so I got I gave him the spec I wanted and he said I'll get you a price the, sc- the Scania was round yeah. yeah so I thought thinking back to Kenny's in the 70s I thought Foden phone wouldn't be a bad truck to go out on mm-hmm. so I got in touch with Bill you know, Elliot to put phones and sat was down here within two days with all this paperwork and we came and sat here for the morning and discussed everything, every spec. Do you want aluminium air tanks? Do you want steel air tanks? What do you want your steering wheel, a large one or a little one? You know, and it went right through the truck like that. You know, you just built, as you know, you just build it up your own specs.
0: Yeah, right down to the finest detail. Yeah, you know. I mean, obviously, you had, a, you had a number of choices for your engine and gearbox as well. Oh yeah. So you you went for the Caterpillar engine in the end. Was that yeah. was that kind of always you, you, you the fancied The Caterpillar
1: power? was one of the reasons because, as far as I knew then, it was the only truck that was fitting Caterpillar engines.
0: ERF did them but they did them in tiny yeah. amounts I think that big engine the one that you've got they made only a, a very small amount of them stand to be corrected they made a yeah. few with the 12 litre mm. but that might not even have been at that point so yeah, yeah so Foden were kind of number one for the cat engine so that was the
1: main reason apart from the fact that I knew Foden's, mm. I have driven them for yeah. years and liked them so I thought well that was a cat engine in so we talked about the engine, and he said what was on our, and he said that was a 380, I think it was mm-hmm. cat wasn't it?" And I said what he got. And he said, "Well they're getting about now." And he said, uh, it's a bit bigger." He said, wow. "It's a 455 the full uh, <laughs> bloody mind's going. six three. Well, I've forgotten the Numbers 380e the the, the,
0: the 3, uh, 3406e 3, 4, 3406e, yeah, that's the big, yeah. the big 14.6 Caterpillar engine, yeah, yeah. So four, yeah. you could have 455 and 500 and something as well, you get 550s, yeah. But yeah. I thought then I don't really need a
1: 550. I mean, the, the advantage or one of the advantages of Cat over Cummins was that the Jake brake came as standard right i wanted a, a jake brake and yeah he said about this by this time i'd gone up to there to have a look around mm-hmm. and go out for a drive one and uh it was a top liner high cab and yeah the XL cab
0: because yeah. they were just quite new out at the time
1: yeah yes and i think it was a 380 that
0: he'd got there but i said i don't really
1: need a high cab because at the time, I wasn't having nights out. he said, well, take it, have the high cab. He said, and I won't charge you for
0: it. Chucked it in as part of the deal.
1: Yeah, he says, we want to get them seen on the road. He says, so if you want that with that engine, he said, I'll throw the high cab in for you. And that virtually clinched the deal as far as I was concerned. And this 3406E it hadn't long been back on the market because they had emission problems, I think, apparently just before that. And then they got that sorted out, got it back in, and they are offering marvellous deals on it. I got five years or half a million miles on the engine.
0: What, not it? Yeah.
1: Which obviously I didn't have to use, but at the time that was something...
0: That you, wouldn't do yeah, yeah, you wouldn't knock that, definitely.
1: And so, that was sorted in two or three days. Scanius took three weeks to get back to me with a quote, which was 16 grand dearer. And they were both as near as you could get to each
0: other. How long did it take for the truck to arrive? Was it one that was like built, come off the production line for you?
1: No, because... It had to go specially on the production yeah. line because it wasn't the same as any other one. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah it was built specially for your district yeah. in the produ-
1: unpainted. You, yeah, you had to wait for it. Yeah, unpainted, mm-hmm. but not long though, considering.
0: When did the truck first go on the road? Uh, January '98, I think. No, at that point in time, obviously you ran the truck. You've run the truck from then up until now, up until 2020. Oh, yeah was it your plan to keep it this long or was it just a matter of just keeping
1: I said when I got it whichever goes first it or me we pack up and I retire and one year followed another and another and without planning anything it just seemed that we stayed together longer than we thought we would it wasn't a, a pre-planned except that I wasn't going to buy another truck after that
0: yeah, as, as time went on, you know, it's become more and more of a noticeable truck in the road. It's quite well known yeah. now because yeah. simply none of there aren't any other ones on the road. That's right. There's, how's it How's it been for you over the years, like mechanically and things? It's obviously served you very well.
1: It has served me very well. The, the first place that uh, serviced it for the first few years was the Talksey, which was a phone agent then before the DAF agency came in. And they were very good, for the first few years. And then they got losing mechanics, and they got some rough mechanics, and uh, the boss handed over to his son, and it was just gradually going downhill and
0: downhill. Mm. So, so I, did you move? You got somebody else to service
2: us? Oh, uh, yeah, thing?
1: Three, four kilometres away. And who's that? John Paul. John Paul. He's a smaller company, but he's absolutely brilliant. And,
0: so he's kept it going with the 6 weeklies and the maintenance and everything over the years. And
1: everything, yeah. Um, he's yeah. got a picture. He's got an ARF.
0: And it's held up well for you. Yeah. What about the story? You, you told? You mentioned outside there was one of the, your DVSA guys underneath hitting it with a hammer one day. Uh, what, what checking you, it out. I can't remember if it was a roadside stop. Oh, I think you are talking about uh, the test centre. Yeah, he said he didn't want to be hit by it. Yeah, he said...
1: Uh, if I was a brick wall, they said, I wouldn't want you to hit me. They said, I can't remember when, ro- when motors were actually built like that. He said, it's solid. He said, you, you look at the tra-
0: trap rod ends, track rods, mm. all the steering. He said, it's, it's built. Have you had a few stops over the years and things? Have I been mean, quite curious? I mean, as time's gone on, people have become increasingly more curious about the truck because yes. it's become more unusual between like even like your DVSA guys the police actual other drivers
1: yeah would have been interested in it oh yes a lot of drivers well the most you get some of the old drivers coming along and God oh, I used to drive one of those and you know it's they all used to drive one they, they all, I thought I didn't realise there was one. Well, oh they
2: had one yeah. yes it's amazing but, we, had, uh, we had one for two it was the same oh I used to have one of those yeah but there wasn't so many <laughs> as I would have
1: thought you know as it got older you know I thought well everywhere I go I'm going to be
0: stopped but no I used to go months in between being stopped from the authorities yeah yeah because your truck doesn't have seat belts in it because it no. uh, didn't require them
2: at the time no that's right that fools them mm-hmm. he has got pulled for that
0: yeah you've been pulled for not wearing my seat belt in the truck you don't need to wear a seat belt in yeah and that, that was on the A1
1: they built they pulled me in on the A1 down just below Peterborough on a hard shoulder and he came and got on the passenger side and he said, I suppose you know why you've been pilled in. I said, not really, no, it must be something a bit serious if you stop me on the motorway. And he said, well, I notice you aren't wearing seatbelts. And I said, no, I'm not. he <laughs> said, is there a reason for that? And I said, well, yeah, quite a good reason. I said, because if you can see one, I'll put it on. He looked around and he said, Oh, he said, Is it was it? I said, No, it wasn't required when this was built. Mm. <laughs> and so off I went. But apart from that, there wasn't, I suppose, more than a couple of people over its entire life
0: that actually yeah. stopped me for that. Yeah, how's it done performance wise over the years? Because it was a big truck, uh, engine wise, and still the power's still on a, on a par today. Oh, yeah, with a lot of modern trucks.
1: Yes, it is. I just can't fold the engine I love it it just keeps going and going and as I said it went through this caterpillar test on the engine you took it to a caterpillar specialist yeah there's a company up near Tamworth that is a plant hire company I think that did all the caterpillars but they said they could plug their gear into my engine although mine was a truck instead of a caterpillar engine, uh, lorry mm. and uh, So it went up there and they put it on the machine, did a print off, and he said, Nothing wrong with it.
2: It's not the good news or the bad news, he said. Because we were hoping they were going to do something wonderful and make it absolutely even more amazing, if you see what I mean. But it was already amazing, wasn't it? It Because everything
1: on the engine, he said, is within the parameters of where it came out with new yeah, what, what's the total mileage on it now around about one and a half million give or take a bit it's, i think miles. it's just
0: yeah just one and a
2: half million miles and it's yes. still on its original turbo charger and internals.
1: Yeah. and injectors
2: that's quite something when you think of modern trucks when you think how quickly they seem Well, are oh, you yeah, they used to blow turbos like there was no yes yeah, no, and that was true. quite new trucks that's, that's some going for that so you decided with
0: um, the lockdown and corona and things like that you decided it was time to yeah well with the lockdown when it started I just had the truck in to have the
1: caterpillar done yes I? yes. I came back and had a couple of days and then I set off and did you know a couple more days work towards the end of March and lockdown came in and I was advised by, was it a doctor?
2: Well, me.
1: (laughs) You. (laughs) Yeah, just (laughs) to go. (laughs) Due to my age and the fact that I'd had cancer, etc., it would be sensible for me to lock down.
2: We probably wouldn't have done if we had known that they were going to make it so that you could sit in your lorry yeah, and not be in that awful waiting room area and all yeah, that there was a huge amount of argument and fighting yeah. going on
0: over that because people, yeah. the, the, the supermarkets weren't enforcing it and a lot of the drivers weren't doing
2: it but finally no. like they did but mm. you know, that's what stopped us to be honest otherwise yeah. Michael would have still stayed driving
0: yes but, but you've decided I, th- I think it's a time for a well earned retirement would you say for you and the truck
1: yeah, it was decided gradually. It was only last week. Last it? Wednesday. Last Wednesday,
2: when it was. If I hadn't final. took you out for lunch. You mightn't have done it. Oh, <laughs> so well, you put the truck up for sale on the Ford and ERF Facebook page. Well, yeah, but not really intentionally like up for sale, like just like in- inquiring to see it if was there was ju- any interest. But well, in it. it was just to yeah, say it just... that it was reti- he was retiring. Yeah. Because everybody, there were so many people when you go out and the, on the road with it waving and. Oh, the last time we went out it was every other truck seemed to be waving and we hadn't even told them we were retiring then you know well, so I, many people so i first
0: remember seeing it in about 2007 maybe and going there's a 4,000 that's quite you know it was an unusual truck to see then and i did see it many times over the years i thought ah there's that white 4,000 it became <laughs> so well known so yeah you went, the, you went onto the page just to announce your retirement and they, they just all went crazy yeah, was well,
1: we the just, reaction. We probably, wasn't it terrifying a couple of people well a lot more than that over the years that said when you want to sell it he said one of them, the main one he used to drive it when it was new for me at weekends and he's always wanted it and so I said well I'll like, let you know when I'm going to retire and this went on for another 15 years <laughs> 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 he used to give me a ring sometimes thinking of entirely retiring I thought I'll let you know Well, there
0: literally isn't another one of them you know it's so rare I, mean, I can't think with that engine it being a midlift and not a double drive because so many of them were used for heavy yeah. haul and planting things you know yes yeah. yes yeah. There, there simply isn't another one out there so yeah you've just been you've been inundated with inquiries shall we say yeah most
1: <laughs> of them would have been just inquiries yeah. not yes. Serious. oh yes I'm sure they would
2: and they were looking at sort of seven to eight thousand is what huh. people thought they would be paying. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what price to put on it, which is why when it's they said what price, price it, I put I don't know, because I
0: didn't. I guess you've got we'd spoken about it earlier outside when we were doing the photo shoot. That it's worth if somebody used to run one of these or somebody's dad did one, if something something's worth what somebody's willing to pay for and exactly. you could find, yeah. you know because that's so rare there could be a real, you know, Huge interest in it, but uh, like the same you, it's a great and it, it's of um, huge sort of nostalgic and personal value to you as well. You know, and there's is. a lot of sentimentality attached to that
1: truck. So, you know, the chap that's at the moment is the one that's buying it. He said, One of the reasons I'm so keen on that one, he says, that You have it from new, that you've driven it from new, and he said, That is a big sort of.
0: Yeah, it's oh. it's got all the manuals and it's got all the paperwork with it. And, oh yeah, you know you could trace its history right back to oh, day yes. one. It hasn't been on the fairgrounds oh, for a while and that lost blue the folder. This blue folder it's blue folder on the table. All and its just,
2: stuff. All the stuff for it. We properly looked after from start to finish. I mean, really, we maybe should have tried to go for more. To be honest. Oh, yes, but we didn't know. But we it, didn't we? know, and I did want it to go to a good home. Yeah,
0: well, hopefully, it's definitely going to a good home. Yeah, you know, yeah. and of course, and then I'd, I'd noticed it as well. And I was like, Can I please come down into do a photo shoot for trucking driver yes. on it before it goes? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah well, that's lovely. That's the
1: Caterpillar yeah.
0: report on it. That's a piece of paper, it's the Caterpillar report from 11th of the 3rd, 2020. There you go, nearly 2.4 million kilometres on it. Total time running 40,817 hours. Cylinder one through six, okay. And there's all your cylinder cycles, which are all within. within Every tolerance and value is spot on on it no
1: Yeah.
0: Clean balance health. Yes. Th- thank you so much for your time, well, Mike. Thank you it's so be, much you know, for brilliant. Well, right, yeah. pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Truck & Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck & Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck & Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.